Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. You know, there's something about strength that's attractive. If you ever notice in the movies, there's always the heroes and the heroines are always people of strength. I think all the, the Marvel uh, superheroes, they always have some amazing talent, strength, ability. There, you don't typically see um, weak people being the heroes. Strength is attractive. We, we want strength for our children. We want strength for our grandchildren. We want, we want strength in our relationships. We want to see them get stronger. Strength is something that just is, it, it, it calls to us. Years ago, when people didn't develop those family crests, you ever seen those family crests? And they have some motto on there. And the, the, I'm speaking of old England, and they have mottos. And sometimes they would have animals on the family crest, but they were always lions or bears or elephants or never bunny rabbits and squirrels. <laughs> because there's something about strength that's attractive, but there's something about strength that's in God that God is strength. David declared him over and over again, Lord, you are my strength and my song. You are my strength. And this morning, I, I want to talk a bit about gaining in strength. That's one of our values as a church, is that you would live for God and that you would grow stronger and that you would make a difference. And the, really, there's a progression there, that relationship with God, that growing stronger and the ability to make a difference. So I want to talk about strength. And it, it is an advantage. I don't think anyone ever goes to the gym hoping to get weaker. You go to the gym because you, you want to get stronger. And what strength gives us the ability to do, strength, getting stronger, doesn't stop the problems of life from coming, but it does stop the problems of life from dominating you. And so your ability to navigate life is better when you're in a position of strength. A United Airlines ticket agent was, was typing at, at a particular time when they canceled flights. Ever been in an airport when they start canceling flights? People go crazy. And some guy was in front of this, this ticket agent and he's just berating her. He is using foul language. He is calling her names. He is, he's just ugly. It's amazing she didn't call the police on him, but she just kept smiling and typing and she's smiling and typing. And when he finally got taken care of and he walked off, the next person in line looked at that ticket agent and said, he said, ma'am, I want to tell you something. Your, your strength here was amazing. How you did not lose your composure and you just kept a real pleasant, professional way of doing things. That, that was so impressive. And the ticket agent, she just keeps typing. She's smiling. She says, well, she said, he's going to Chicago. His bags are going to L.A. <laughs> you've, got, you've got to be good to those ticket agents. They can wreck your life. But that's a position of strength. And this morning when we're talking about spiritual strength, we're talking about something that has the ability to not only when you get stronger spiritually, it has the ability to impact your emotional strength, your mental strength, and your physical strength. And a, a connection, a relationship with the Lord is vital to our strength. Paul, the, the apostle Paul, was writing to the church at Philippi. And consider one of his most positive letters. This church there, he wrote to him. And uh, th these were 
these were some really good people, and they had helped him with an offering. They had given to him. And at the end of his letter, Paul is writing about this, and I'm going to go over a verse that many of you know, but I want us to see it in a different context. It's in Philippians 4. Paul's writing, he said, not that I speak in, from want. He's talking, about, he's talking about the offering. He said, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having an abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now leave it up there just for a moment. I want you to see a couple of words here that he uses. First one is, I have learned to be content. That word content actually means the, the, the root word is self-sufficient. I don't think Paul is saying he's self-sufficient, but what he's saying is he, it, he's, he's good. He's not scrambling. Every circumstance he's in, you ever heard someone say, well, how you doing? You're like, all good. You're not scrambling. You're not panicking. You're not up. He said, I've just learned to be content. I'm good. He said, in all circumstances, he said, I have learned the secret. So this is, this is Paul saying, I wasn't born with this ability. I've learned this. This is developed in me. This is something I've gotten a hold of. And his relationship with the Lord, he got a hold of this. He learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, of having abundant suffering need. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Thank you. You can, you can take that down. He's, what he's saying, now listen, I grew up with that verse. My dad, I think it was one of the first verses he taught me. My dad was very, uh, he was a type A and he was a motivator. He was a, an achiever. And, uh, and so like, like that's, the, I think, the first verse I learned as a child. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's a good verse. And we see athletes use it. You know, I can you know, talk about people like I can hit the ball or I, I can spike it or I can do all these things through Christ who strengthens me. And so we've used it as a performance verse. But really, it's a life verse. When Paul is saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he's saying life is going to have ups and downs. It's going to have times where you've got what it takes and times when you don't have what it takes. But he said, I can handle it. I'm not going to panic. I'm all good because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's a life verse. It's for handling life. And so when the pressure comes, like I said, pressure will come. But it's the strengthening part. I was on a plane coming back from Texas to North Carolina. We, were, we, we tried to start a church in my hometown. It didn't work. It didn't even close, come close to working. This was the one my mother left. <laughs> Mama leaves, it's time to shut the doors. Anyway, anyway we, can, we, were, we were coming back and I was flying back. I had flown down here. I, we, man, we didn't have hardly any money. We, we, we had a miracle come through, so we, we had some funds. And I, I came down and I got a job. It was going to be a commission job. And I bought a house. God opened the door. So I'm driving back. Now I got a mortgage. I got a commission job. I got to move my family. Matt was like five. Christina's three. Young family. I got to move. And I'm feeling the pressure. And I'm sitting there on the plane. And I, I, I pulled out a little New Testament that I had. And I begin to read that passage. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the Lord spoke to my heart. I did not hear an audible voice. I just got an impression, but I picked it up so strong. I've never forgotten it. Sitting on that plane, he said, you don't need less pressure. You need more strength. So many times we're like, Lord, 
I, I need less pressure, less pressure. Well, your job comes with pressure. Raising a family comes with pressure. Doing anything in life comes with pressure. But we don't need less pressure. We need more strength. But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I want to give you a model today, a model of two guys. We don't even know their names in the Bible, but they are, they are a great model of strength. These are, these are two blind men, and they're coming to Jesus. It's found in Matthew. When Jesus departed from there, he left the house, he's going somewhere else. Two blind men followed him, crying out, saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he came to the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe I'm able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, saying, See that no one knows it. But when they had departed, they spread the news about him and all that country. <laughs> I always get a, I've heard someone say, Jesus told them not to tell anybody because he was using reverse psychology on them. I don't think Jesus was using reverse psychology on these guys. I think the idea is if Jesus, every time he would go out and, and he would get swamped by the crowds, he couldn't even move around. He gets so busy, he didn't have time to eat. So he's like, you, you need to keep this chill. But how many of you know, if you've been blind all your life and all of a sudden you can see, that's going to be hard to hold back. You're going to be walking in and someone sees you and you see them. You're like, hey, and they're like, whoa. Weren't you blind? And they go, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> They're going to go, oh, I was blind, but I, oh, I was blind. But Jesus, he touched my eyes and now I can see, I can see, I can see you as clearly. Don't you know they did? You could not help but tell what Jesus had done. But here's the thing. These guys, when they started out, they were, they were blind, but they were committed to connecting with Jesus. They were committed to it. Now, they had never seen a miracle. They were blind. And so, you can't see a miracle. But they heard that Jesus did miracles. They heard he raised the dead. They heard he opened the eyes of the blind. And so when they heard that, well, they connected with him. And, and they're, they're yelling for him. So Jesus is walking. They're following him. And they're yelling out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And the Bible said that he went into the house. So evidently, where he was walking, he never stopped for them. He just went into the house. Now listen, this is why being committed is so important. They could have been discouraged. They could have said, man, we've been out here yelling. We yelled halfway through the town, and, you know, and he hadn't stopped for us. I guess, I guess he doesn't want to do anything. They could have turned around and walked away. Or they could have been offended. Well, I yelled, and here I am, I'm blind. He ain't got time to stop for me. I'm yelling out, son of David, have mercy on me. He didn't want to stop. I guess he's just too good to stop for a blind man. I'm just going to go, I'm going to go somewhere else. Where are you going to go, Hoss? They could have been offended. But here's, here's something I really believe. You know, if you're a blind man back in that day, you had to have some strength just to live. It's not like you had places you could go. You're on the streets every day just begging just to be able to survive. And then you've got to feed yourself. You've got to, man, these guys had to have some moxie. And so when, when Jesus didn't answer them, they weren't discouraged. They were committed. And when Jesus walked into the house, they didn't get offended at it. They just kept going until they could connect with him because they believed he had the answers. And then when Jesus 
When Jesus spoke to them, they, they only spoke what they believed. Jesus said, you believe I'm able to do this? Oh, they could have gone off. Well, Lord, you know, you know, I know everyone says that if you're born blind, the Jewish culture was if you were born blind, it was your fault or your mother's fault or your parents' fault. Very judgmental culture. I mean, so anyone's born blind, they already, people are already looking down on them, and they could have launched into a, you know, my mama was a good woman, and my dad was a good man, and we didn't do anything, and I couldn't do anything because I was just born, and it was blind, people hadn't been treating me right. They could have gone and launched into a long story. But that's not what Jesus asked them. He said, do you believe I'm able to do this? And they went, yes, I believe this. And Jesus said, good, be it unto you according to what you believe. He touched their eyes, and they were healed. So they only spoke. They didn't go through the story. They only spoke what they believed. And then they said something very unique when they said, yes, Lord. That word Lord actually means might and powerful. And the Hebrew equivalent of that is Jehovah. They were calling him greater than. The number one, the greatest power, greater than blindness. Yes, Lord. I believe you're bigger than blindness. I believe you're greater than blindness. And they were healed. A model of what to do. Strength. So let's talk about how do we add strength, learning from what these guys did. So here's the first thing, and this is really important. The first thing is this, that we make a quality decision, quality commitment to the Lord. A quality commitment. In the book of Acts, after Jesus had been raised from the dead, the disciples for years only preached to the Jews. They would not preach to anybody who wasn't Jewish. And then finally, God got a hold of Peter and he began to stir things up. And a group of these, uh, these disciples went to a place called Antioch and they were preaching there. And some of the Greeks that had converted to Judaism, but they were Greek, they weren't Jewish, they begin to listen, and, and they started getting saved. And the, and the word got back to the church, and they sent a guy named Barnabas. And Barnabas was a good guy. And when Barnabas came, he recognized something here. It said in Acts, he said, and when he came, he'd seen the grace of God. So he was able, God's doing something here, he said. And he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord. That word purpose of heart means to be determined. To be resolved. So here these guys are getting, they're getting born again. And these Gentiles are coming to Christ. And one of the first things that Barnabas begins to say is, guys, you need to stay committed to him. You need to stay committed to the Lord. You say, well, why would he do that? Because there are always forces and enemy forces trying to pull you away from your commitment. You say, well, what kind of force? Well, how about discouragement? See, I realize every January, there are always people who come to church or come back to church, and I am so glad you're here. I just want to encourage you, stay. Don't come for a couple of months, see if everything gets better. And then a lot of times, you, you've come, and he's like, man, I've been coming to church, man, I came for two months straight. My marriage is still jacked up, and I've got problems with my kids. Listen, give this some time. You stay in there. This is not like a but if you stay committed without getting discouraged, but so many times, I prayed, I didn't get an answer. Listen, you have to fight against discouragement. And what can help you is a commitment is, Lord, I am committed to you. The second one is, this is a biggie. You ready for this one? In church, it's being offended. 
being offended. Offended means you're half hurt and half mad. And in, if you're in church, listen, if you've been here two months, we might have already offended you. If you haven't, keep staying, we will. Because church is made up of people and people can be offended and you can get offended in church. And a lot of times people get offended and it pulls them out. Even joy, joy this week, my darling wife, who you think is perfect, who is not, she got offended this week. Not at church, at the pharmacy. So I'll tell you the story. Joy went to the pharmacy and she had, they'd called in a prescription on Wednesday. She goes the following Monday. She goes to the pharmacy. She goes up. There's no one there, which is rare. There's no one there. And she said, I'd like to get this one. And the, the, the manager, Joy said, who was younger than me, looked at her and said, it's not ready yet. Go sit down. So Joy, you know Joy. She goes and sits down. She's being real sweet about it. And then she gets a text. Your prescription is ready. So she did what any of us would do. She gets up and walks to the window. And the woman looked at her and goes, your prescription is not ready yet. Go sit down. And Joyce said, but, but yeah, it's not ready yet. Told her, he's covered times, told her to go sit down. Joyce said, what if I want to stand up? That's not what she said. I said, Joy, did you say that out loud? She said, no, I said it on the inside. <laughs> then she said, she said, she sat there for 30 minutes. She said, at one time, the, the lady walked past her and saw her. It's like, oh, like she forgot and went and did it. And then when Joy's paying, Joy said, she's drumming her fingers, like waiting for her to get the card out of her pocketbook. Joy was offended. So Joy got in her car. But the lady was the manager, so she's like, I got no place to go here. And I know some of you are thinking, I'd have found somebody, but there would have been, would have been we'd have brought it on from there. But, but, but I want you to listen to what she did. She goes and sits in her car, and she's, she's still hot. Y'all think Joy can't get mad. Let me tell you personally, <laughs> the girl can get mad. And she, she sat in her car, though, and she said, Lord, I don't know what that woman is dealing with, but she needs you and she needs help. But you bless her. I don't know if it's her marriage. I don't know what, but you help her. And she prayed for her. And then she got home and told me, and now I'm offended. <laughs> but isn't that how it works? You get offended, you go tell somebody else. Now they're offended. Everybody's offended. But here's the deal. We're still going back to that pharmacy. It's the closest one to us. And so we're going. <laughs> But the idea of offense, and what we don't realize is, listen, guys, offense is not simply to get you out of church. It's to get you away from the Lord. It's to pull you away from them. I know people say, oh, Alan, I can live, you know, I can live just as good as anyone else not going to church. I disagree. I disagree. Because we're part of the body of Christ. And the body of Christ means we're connected. And so you can't say, well, my right arm can live by itself without the rest of me. No, your right arm needs to be connected to the rest of you. We're the body of Christ. We need to stay connected. Don't send me emails. This is Bible. Stay with me. The idea is we have to stay committed to him. But if you're committed to him, being committed to church is not a problem. Say, so, well, what am I supposed to do? Keep going. Just keep going. Well, you know, someone looked at me funny. Keep going. 
They said, I couldn't do something. Keep going. 1983, they ran an ultra marathon between Sydney and Melbourne, Australia. First one they ran. 570 miles. Marathon. Man stepped up to the, to the registration table. He was 61 years old. His name is Cliff Young. Cliff wore overalls and galoshes. He said, I want to run. They said, they laughed. They thought it was a joke. He said, run? Seriously? He said, no, I, I want to run. They said, okay, gave him a number. And uh, he, was, he had his overalls, had his pack, and uh, they, they strike the gun. They had to run a couple of laps in the track first, and Cliff kind of had a, a shuffling run gait. He looked weird. People were laughing at him. Someone said, get that old fool off the track. But he just kept shuffling. And five and a half days later, Cliff Young finished before everybody else. Not just before everybody else. Ten hours before everybody else finished. So the press just mobbed him. He said, how in the world did you do this? And he said, I just ran. He never went to sleep. The other runners would run 18 hours and sleep three or four hours. Cliff just kept shuffling along. And uh, he said, I used to run after sheep on the ranch. I'd shape, I, I, he said, I'd chase them two or three days. And that shuffle caused him to win. It put him in first place. 61 years old. And he, ran, he set a record. Five and a half days of running. He just kept going. Some of you look like Cliff. You don't run so good. <laughs> but it ain't how pretty you look. It's if you can keep going and you can cross that finish line, number one. You just stay in there and keep going. Just keep going. Here's, here's the funny thing about Cliff. I, I did a little background on Cliff. Cliff. Cliff was 61 years old. He'd never been married. Probably why he had the energy to, no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm not, no. uh, he actually got married the next year. At 62, he finally marries to a 23-year-old woman. Go, Cliff. Go, Cliff. Hey, hey. Just keep going. <laughs> Some of the guys in their 60s are like, hey, 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 hey. No, no you're not famous. Um, Connecting to the Lord Jesus is the strongest place. That's, that was the source of Paul's dream. And being committed to him is the strongest place you'll be. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Here's the second one. Speak what you believe. I won't have time to go into all of this, but we speak so much of things that aren't helping us. Paul wrote the church at, at, uh, in Colossians, and he, and he told him, he said, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and speak. This will require us to retrain ourselves, to only begin to speak what we believe. When those two blind men stood before Jesus and Jesus said, you believe I'm able to do this? That's all he said was, yes, this is what I believe. And that, that's so powerful because oftentimes we speak about our problem, about the past, and about what people have done. And the thing about it is, is that's not making us stronger. It's making us weaker. So, well, come on, Alan, it's just words. No, no, listen, we know more than that. We live not just in a natural environment. We live in a spiritual environment. 
And words are seeds. And we need to learn to plant seeds that make us stronger, not seeds that make us weaker. Speak what we believe. And the Bible is the best way to begin to form a basis of belief. According to what is written, I believed and I spoke. And then here's the last one. Make yes, Lord, a part of your life. Yes, Lord. Make this phrase, yes, Lord. Lord indicating that not just Savior, but Lord, number one authority, top authority, greater than anything or anyone. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I'll obey you. I'll obey what's written in your word. I'll obey. And listen, you may be new to this. This may be something that's fairly new. But as you begin to, 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 to have a relationship with him, as you begin to see more, then you, you realize you, you, you begin to do more. You begin to learn something. You read where you're supposed to forgive. And you may not feel like forgiving, but yes, Lord. You may read where it talks about giving. You're like, I, I don't want to give, but yes, Lord. I'll, yes, Lord. I'll obey what I see as I see your word written to me. And I'll obey what you impress on my heart. Yes, Lord. I'll obey. Yes, Lord. I believe. Yes, Lord. So much of the time, it's so easy to speak all the doubts and fears and, and junk that comes at us all the time. We just need to begin to tell the Lord, yes, Lord, I believe you can help me. I believe you can heal me. I believe you can strengthen me. I believe you can help my family. I believe you can make a difference in my life. I believe you can make me a blessing to others. I believe you can provide for me. You can open jobs for me. I believe, yes, Lord, I believe you. Yes, it's a, it's a simple phrase, but we ought to try it. Yes, Lord. Can we do this? Yes, Lord. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's an old story that's gone around for years, but I don't know the actual veracity of it, but I think it's got a really good truth to it. The story is told of an, of an actor who became very famous and went back to the little church home that he grew up in. They had a day that they were honoring him and he came and read some things and shared some stories and talked about his life. He'd grown up in this church and the church was just so thrilled. And at the end of, the, of his presentation, he asked the church, he said, is there anything I can do for you? And the pastor, an older pastor, he, he raised his hand. He said, would you, would you recite the 23rd Psalm for us? And the actor thought for a moment, he said, he said I will. He looked at the pastor, he said, but you're my pastor and teacher. I learned this from you. He said, I will if, if you'll recite it when I'm finished. And the pastor said, I'm not an actor. I'm not nearly as eloquent as you, but yes, if that's what you want, I will do it. So the actor took a place on the, on the stage and he had a beautiful voice, one of these deep voices. And he began with the Lord is my shepherd. And his tone was rich. His intonation was beautiful. His pauses were just pregnant with thought. And when he finished, the church just gave him just a huge round of applause. They were so blessed by that. Then it was the pastor's turn. He was approaching 80. His voice wasn't quite as strong as it used to be. But he stood and he began to say, the Lord is my shepherd. And when he finished, 
There was no applause. There was just silence. Some people were actually wiping tears away. And the actor recognized the moment. And he got him, he put his arm around this pastor and he said, he said, what you've seen here is very significant. He said, I was able to touch your eyes and your ears. But pastor touched your heart. He said, the difference is, I know the song. He knows the shepherd. Do you know the shepherd? Do you know the one who can strengthen you and do for you what no one else can do? That's the key. That's the key to strength. Knowing him. Would you bow your head for a moment? Please, no one leaving. We'll be out of here in just two minutes. But if you're here, you're watching online and you say, Alan, I, I don't know that I know the shepherd. I don't know that I've ever asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Or maybe you had done that at one time and you recognize today I've gotten away from him. I know that. My commitment to him just wavered so badly. But I want to recommit. I want to come back. If that's you, then we're going to say a prayer. If you're watching online, this prayer is for you as well. If you're, if you're by yourself, you can pray this with us. We're going to pray it out loud. You can pray it with us out loud. If you're with others, you pray it quietly. We're not, if you're here, we're not going to have you stand up or come to the front. But I am going to ask you this. If that's you that I'm talking to, and you say this morning, Alan, I, I know I need to connect with him. I know I need to reconnect. Would you pray for me real quickly? Would you just lift your hand and acknowledge that and say, Alan, that's me that you're talking to. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate that. Thank you. Put your hands down. We're going to pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand and you wanted to. But you can still pray this with us. God sees hands. He sees hearts. We're going to pray this with you out loud. If you're, if you're watching online, you're by yourself. Like I said, pray it out loud. If you're with others, pray it quietly. We're going to pray with you as a church family here. So pray this after me. Say, Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now, the head still bowed and eyes closed just for a moment. Heavenly Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. For those who stepped out of darkness into the light spiritually, for those who come back into the light spiritually, thank you of your mercy toward them and your goodness toward them and the plans that you have for them that are so good. And Father, for the rest of us, thank you. You can build strength into our spirit as we commit, as we say yes, Lord, as we walk with you. Thank you for that. What a privilege. What an honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.